Hello again, Marlins fans. We are back on Swimming Upstream. Today, me and Daniel, we're taking a break from our uh, familiar programming here, what you guys have become used to. Uh, and we're going to uh, spend some time with the uh, situation and everything surrounding the Wichita wind surge, uh, the new AAA entity for the Miami Marlins. Uh, this includes uh, some very unfortunate news that the team came by uh, this past month, uh, the passing of ownership partner and lifetime baseball executive, Lou Schweikheimer. Uh, to remember Lou properly and to provide insight into the special life that this man lived both professionally and personally, we are honored today to be joined by our guest, a very special guest, uh, another member of the Windsurgers front office, the assistant general manager, Bob Wollett. Bob, thank you so much again for agreeing to join us. Uh, we know this is a difficult time for you guys, uh, not only with the passing of, of Lou, but with everything else that's going on. So uh, again, how are you guys all holding up up there? Yeah, um, first, first and foremost, thanks for having me on. Um, definitely listen to your show. I've listened to a couple uh, yeah, episodes, including, you know, one of the previous ones with Lou. Um, yeah, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's tough, right? It's been, if, you, if you're if you counting, you know, it's been about two weeks since his passing. Um, so, you know, it's just trying to kind of get acclimated again into the office we took you know, a brief hiatus to kind of take some time for us and, and, and go through that process. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, it, it's not the, it's definitely not the same. You know, I, I walked in to the office a couple of times. I'm usually, you know, one of the first three or four people to the office and, you know, you're walking in thinking you're going to see him or he's going to crack a joke at you and, and it's just there. So, you know, in a way it's, it, it's definitely surreal. Um, but you know, as uh, as Lou would say, we, we got to continue to move forward, and uh, you know, we and that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, definitely hear you there. Uh, can't even imagine. Um, I mean, you know, if you know the history of the Marlins, they went through a similar situation with Carl Barger uh, when this yeah. when the franchise was first being born. Um, I was too young to remember that, but again, um, can't even imagine how you guys are doing it. Uh, it's admirable how you guys are getting through it. And uh, that's what we want to hear about today. We want to hear all about uh, all about Lou and the special the special life that this sure. happened. But b before we jump into that, I, I want to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself uh, to any of our audience that may not know you. Um, so again, I mentioned you're the AGM uh, of the Wind Search, mm -hmm. formerly the uh, Baby Cakes. Um, yeah. You know, just maybe a small background to that: uh, how you came to jo to join Lou's team uh, originally, and uh, how this uh, relocation process has gone uh, up to Wichita and. Finally, how it's kind of turned, been turned on its head here by COVID. So, yeah, just a little bit on that. Yeah, so um, I actually originally grew up in California. Um, I graduated from Fresno State in 2008. That was during the Great Recession. Um, so I actually started my, I'd say my first part of my professional career in uh, retail management. I worked for a high-end retailer for a while. I worked in Southern California, and I worked in New York City. Um, and then I got it briefly, you know, for a few years, I was in internet marketing. So Google AdWords, um, you know, Facebook advertising before it is what it is today. Um, and then I, uh, in 2013, kind of reset the, the career path and the track, so to speak. And uh, I took an internship in a high A Modesto, which at the time um, was the uh, high A you know, the A advanced affiliate for the Colorado Rockies played in the California league. So um, I was there from 2000, 
2013 to 2016. I uh, had some very successful seasons there, learned a lot about the business. I was able to apply some of my previous background, uh, you know, professional background to that team. And then uh, 2016, I was kind of looking to make a move. And uh, we saw that uh, New Orleans was rebranding. You know, obviously, they were the Zephyrs for a long time. They had moved from Denver back in, you know, 93 when Colorado got a major league team. Um, and so they – I think for the first three years, they played at UNO, and then they got, uh, you know, a new ballpark at that time in, in 98, um, where they actually played, which uh, we call it the Shrine on Airline. Um, and so I just kind of interviewed for the spot and, and uh, you know, kind of basically took a step back. I was the director of brand management in Modesto, so it means I was responsible for a lot of different things. And anyone who's been in minor league knows that, you know, you really don't have one specific role. Right. You, you will do a lot. So I was doing the marketing, the graphic design, the merchandise, the in-game promotions, um, all those types of things, hiring fair. And then I decided to go to New Orleans since it was AAA and just be the merchandise manager. So we went from you know, being the Zephyrs to on uh, November 15th, 2016, uh, we changed and kind of probably shocked the minor league sports world, or I should say almost the sports world because we changed to the New Orleans baby cakes. So I was a part of that rebrand process in uh, building a brand new, you know, team store in the existing building. We had a 300 square foot uh, team store in a stadium that held 10,000 people. So that wasn't going to be uh, good enough. So we uh, had another story expanded it downstairs, uh, you know, to a 1200 square foot store. And I was responsible for the day to day operations on all that stuff. So, you know, through that process, um, you know, I was able to kind of, we, we did really well in 2017, we were top 25 in merchandise sold. I believe we were, you know, in the top 10 of the top 25. And then we were in the top four of the PCL, which is great because that never happened in New Orleans before. So, um, so then, you know, that's where you get there and you start meeting the characters, you know, you interview with, you know, I interviewed with Eric at the time and then Cookie, who was the GM. Mm -hmm. um, and then you start meeting the characters who start showing up from uh, CBI. So you meet, you know, Matt White, you meet Annie Life, and then you meet more importantly, this guy named Lou. And so that's how we kind of started getting into contact with that. And, uh, you know, through my, I'd say two and a half years in New Orleans, I went from doing merchandise to becoming the assistant GM to um, essentially getting here early um, in 2019 before uh, to kind of start the branding process. So that's kind of a very sped up, uh, should I say, timeline of where we are right now. Yeah. For sure. I, um, I myself have been out to that, to that park, the shrine, as you called it, um, once before you guys rebranded. And then uh, I believe in 2018, after you guys rebranded and what took place there and what you guys did to that place, not only with the rebrand, but like you mentioned with the team store and improving fan interaction areas and stuff like that. It really was amazing to see. Um, yeah. You know, I'm sure similar things are going to be happening in Wichita when when 2021, uh, April 2021 finally comes to be. And I, I know the fans there. I've mentioned this before, but I know the fans there, uh, not just from a baseball standpoint, but from everything that you guys are doing and cultivating and have proven that you can build. It's going to be a really special time to be 
a baseball fan yeah. in Kansas. So it's going to be really cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, we asked you to come on today uh, with us uh, to give you basically a floor and just really an opportunity to, you know, remember Lou properly and let all of us know that may not have really known the backstory of this guy. He, you know, he's a behind the scenes guy. Yeah. You know him as yeah. Yeah, he owns the team and everything else, but he, he, he did so much more than that in his life, especially in, in researching him and in talking to him last year, as I mentioned to you, uh, we really felt that um, we can't even imagine that we know that you guys have felt that and how, how yeah. much, how much you guys are feeling it now. So, uh, so first off, you know, as far as you know, just the, the, the amazing amount of success that this guy was able to have wherever he went. Right. Um, yeah basically in building and cultivating a positive minor league culture, not only on the field, but off the field um, was great with players and staff um, allowed people like you to grow their careers, as you mentioned so quickly for yourself, um, you know, and just created that culture uh, of belonging um, and, and really not only belonging to an organization, but belonging to a family and belonging to a team. Um, mm -hmm. That's, that's really something that stood out to us about Lou uh, on the professional side and uh, in the community. Uh, so maybe if you could speak just a little bit to lose managerial style and strategy to create that culture and tell us why he was able to enjoy so much success uh, in the baseball business, uh, as a younger baseball professional, what lessons did you learn from this guy? Yeah. Um, you know, first and foremost, the one thing I'll tell you about Lou is there was going to be probably no one that was going to outwork this guy. I just, it's just not. I mean, when I would hear that he would get three hours of sleep and he would just continue to do that and he's doing this and that, I mean, I, I, I'm a hard worker, um, but compared to what he was doing, even, you know, even in, you know, in the last recent months, I think that is going to be, and, you know, Jane, you know, his wife will tell you that, you know, that attributes to a lot of his success. So, you know, quick, story on him I know he probably told it you know told you kind of his timeline uh, but you know he he started as an intern for the Red Sox I, I believe for the Boston Red Sox for like two years and yep. then that's when he went to Pawtucket and um, you know there was times in Pawtucket you know where he would just sleep in the clubhouse he'd rather be there and he would do whatever it went you know whatever it was going to take especially as a young intern pick up trash, you know, clean up the clubhouse. If you needed to drive, you know, so-and-so to this or that, like you're asking him and he's saying, what time, you know, it's not, you know, where, or when it's, or, you know, not, not necessarily do it, do it tomorrow, or whatever. He's, he's going to do it. Right. And I think that's kind of part of what really kind of started to build him, um, his career, both professionally and uh, personally. And, you know, the many talks that I, had with Lou is, you know, he's very appreciative of the path that he grew up in. He, he grew up in, you know, an area where he had to work really hard for everything that he had. So he didn't take it for granted. Um, but also when he did move his way up through the Paw Sox organization, um, he never forgot that. And I think that's the one thing that I will never forget about him is that, you know, he, wants and wanted to give people an opportunity to succeed. And that's what, you know, he really focused on. Um, the one thing that, you know, I always got from him, especially in the last, you know, you know, two years, especially the last year, because I lived in a trailer with a guy for crying out loud. <laughs> um, he, uh, you know, he, he didn't do, he wasn't doing this ballpark for his legacy. 
-hmm. You know, he was doing this for us. He, he wanted us to be up on the Emprise Pavilion and looking over at everything that was accomplished. Now, was he extremely proud of what he accomplished personally? Yes, but he never put that before anyone else on this team, or should I say family. And um, you, know, you talk about his managerial style. You know, you, you have two types of managers slash coaches. Okay, you have the coaches who know you're good at something, but want you to improve on other things. Um, and they do really well for a certain point in time. But then you have the managers slash coaches who know what you do well and want you to continue to grow what you do well, to squeeze everything that you can get out of yourself to build on that. They understand that you're going to have flaws. And I think that's what, you know, that was one of the most amazing things about Lou is I tell you right now, like I'm, I'm great at certain things and there's certain things maybe I'm not so great at, but he just turned those buttons on me of the things that I was great at and continue to push me in that way to where I didn't want to disappoint. Yeah. Was there going to be a mistake here or there, but it's kind of like that uh, baseball mentality. You can't get too high. You can't get too low. You got to keep on grinding. Let's celebrate when we can celebrate our wins. Let's take two seconds to learn from our losses, but let's continue to ride you know, what got us to this point. And so, you know, just me personally, you know, I'm a, I'm a personality, so to speak, I guess you can say, and I, and I, how I try to explain it is, you know, Lou uh, would always, you know, call me the avocado eating vans wearing dude, because I was from California. And, you know, it's funny about it is he would say that pretty much to every person that we ever met. And in turn, you would think that, oh man, that's annoying or whatever, but really what it was, like he was embracing who I was. And I think that's what he did so well. He embraced who people were. He knew that, you know, there was potential in every person and he wanted them to be able to be at their very best. And he understood if you just tear down, tear down, tear down, you're never going to get someone that's going to want to push the envelope. You're never going to get someone that's going to want to get more creative. And I think that's, it's a very hard trait to come by. And you know, if you, uh, I was kind of thinking about this yesterday um, when you sent me some of the questions. Is he reminds me of uh, a Phil Jackson during the Bulls era? You know, he's managing all those personalities, but getting the very best out of everything they do. Obviously, Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan, right? But then you take a guy like a Dennis Rodman, who had a tremendous upside, a tremendous, you know downside and from what we learned from you know the last dance you know in his little Vegas trip whether it's crazy or not you know Phil understood what Dennis needed to get to where he was going to perform at his best and I think that Lou has been doing that for the longest time and that's why so many executives that have worked under his wing have had tremendous success so I would say kind of in a nutshell that's really how I would describe his managerial uh you know and personal skills. Yeah. Uh, wow. Amazing. Really great stuff there. Uh, definitely sounds like a guy that you just want to be around, you know, a, a guy that, yeah. that, 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 that gives you that, that you're not just another worker. You're, you're a person and you're, yep. you know, you're, you're, you're your own person and you know, everybody's got their own style. Everybody's got their own way and he wants everybody to be unique. So definitely yep. speaks to that, to that, uh, to that level of, uh, of, not only professionalism, but just making everybody feel special in their own way. 
yeah, so uh, you mentioned it. Uh, this is a guy who made his way up from intern uh, with the Red Sox all the way up to being, uh, you know, the GM of the Paw Sox by 1986, yeah. started in 1979. So you do the math mm-hmm. there, that's, that's seven years from intern to GM, right? So uh, for those of us, including you and including me, who have dreamed about, you know, getting a, even a shot in a baseball front office, that's, that's an astonishing accomplishment to go from yes. intern to GM in seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, spent a long time there from what we know of Lou, uh, 37 years uh, with the Pawtucket Red Sox organization. So that just yeah. his level of commitment. Um, you know, that time ended for him when he wanted to f- further his career, uh, left there in 2015 and came to New Orleans where you guys got to know each other. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, you've told us uh, about, um, you know, what you guys have gone through and, you know, the relationship that you've built. But uh, from the first time you came on, we want to know uh, maybe just a couple of first impressions that you had of this guy as an owner. Well, yeah, I mean, my first impression was I was like, wait, this, this is the owner? He's so accessible. I can have a conversation with him. Um, and I'm not saying that he's the only one. I know there are those. And, but then you have your non-operational owners that maybe you see, you know, once a year at the winter meetings. but you know, my impression of him was, and people will tell you this, was like, you know, after my first conversation with him, it's like I'd known the guy forever. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just that personal, that positive, that upbeat. Um, you know, I'd heard about Lou and I've heard, of, you know, I, I, I've heard of his accolades and all those things. But, you know, unfortunately, when people hear owner, they associate it with, uh, with, with money and extreme success when, you know, when, when I saw Lou, I saw, you know, a person who was very humble, uh, a person who was very, you know, excited about being around people and providing, you know, as he would call the magic that we could. And um, yeah, definitely a little bit more involved than maybe some of the other people in the past, but um, all in a positive way. So it just, he's a, he was a guy that I remember one of my impressions, we were in New Orleans and it must have been a couple weeks after we unveiled and he was in his office and his office was right next to my desk at the time. And uh, we were having an interaction or, or saying something. I obviously didn't know that well. So as you are any, any new person, you're kind of treading lightly to make sure you don't know how he is. And uh, you know, the one thing, uh, the one thing about our interaction at the end of it was, you know, he, you know, obviously from what I saw, didn't really even know me that well, but he had expectations for me. And um, my initial thought with him was, I don't want to disappoint. I want to keep this going. And, you know, every day that we did any little thing from, you know, making sure that we print out the labels rather than write them, make sure they have a proper logo bags and all those types of things. It sounds nominal, but people tend to forget that, that those little things make the difference. And he was all about the details when it came to that. And I think that was kind of my first impression of him, you know, out the gate the first couple of weeks that I interacted with him. Yeah. Um, you know, our next question kind of ties into what you just said. Um, and we've already mentioned it a little bit. Um, you know, what, what he was able to do probably because of that attention to detail that you just mentioned, um, what you guys were able to do, uh, when Lou came to New Orleans, right. 
yeah. in, talk, in talking to Lou last year, which we've already mentioned a couple times, um, mm -hmm. he informed us that, you know, when he first got there, things weren't that great, right? Uh, sure. You know, you had, you know, a playing surface that probably wasn't the best. You had fan interaction areas that weren't the best. You mentioned the team store um, that was way too small for what you guys needed. Um, yeah. And, you know, probably all of this stuff really were driving forces and where you, the team was uh, attendance-wise uh, and stuff like that. So, um, again, you guys show up. And, you know, in the first year that Lou is there, the team goes from bottom of the barrel in the PCL all the way up to ninth in a 16-team league, right? So, you know, after the rebrand and everything else, which we, which we will also mention and have mentioned already, uh, the attendance figures ranked – uh, seventh this past season, uh, you know, again, this is from two years prior or three years prior, I should say, all the way up to, to seventh. So uh, again, that drive and determination uh, to the city of New Orleans and its desire to making affiliated ball work there. Can you maybe speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I think, you know, look, we, we wanted it to work there. Um, we wanted to do everything that there was. I know there's no reason, you know, there's no reason why our ownership group would have went in there just to take it. Right. Um, you know, a lot of people speculate that, but we, we wanted to be there for a long time. And I think that, you know, we were willing to do whatever it was going to take, you know, the one thing, you know, and I sometimes wish that, you know, some of the players knew coming from the AAA area, because, you know, like when, when you come up and you get those guys, which are great dudes, um, they don't realize all the things sometimes that are necessarily involved in it. But the one thing that Lou tried to make sure that he did to the best of his ability was to make sure that the players and the coaches had whatever that they could get and try to give them the best experience possible. Well, you know, it's tough when you have a ballpark that was built in 98 and, you know, the clubhouse can't really extend that much bigger, but he was going to try to give them all the bells and whistles of, of what he could. And I don't think that was any different than what, you know, he was going to do, uh, you know, what he wanted to do with our fans, you know, with our fan base. And we wanted to give everyone the best absolute experience that they were going to get. I was reading this article yesterday on Mark Cuban and, you know, Mark Cuban, you know, I guess mentioned that, you know, owners, you know, in the NBA here in the couple next couple months or two, just based on everything going on, I have to realize that they're in the entertainment industry rather than the basketball industry. Um, I think Lou knew that well before Mark started getting into the ownership part of it, because that's what it is. We're all about making memories. And, you know, we were going to do everything that we could do to make that work. It was just one of those situations where we're putting in so much maybe getting a little bit more you know help from the city which at the time you know the city's got the saints and they have the pelicans mm -hmm. and you know a lot of people think new orleans is a san francisco new york based market it's actually kind of more of a medium high market um so when you have an nfl team like the saints which everyone loves the saints there um, and you have a Pel the Pelicans, you only have so, so much support that you can get from the community. And that's kind of where that transformation changed at that time. But to drive, yes, to drive people into the ballpark, to give them the memories of what we wanted to do, um, I think it was a testament. And, and I'll say I saw the numbers, too. And, you know, we had a lot more people who paid for tickets in 2017, 18 and 19 than we did in 16, 15 and 14. Um, so I was a testament to kind of just how we wanted to go about it, how he wanted to make that 
you know, work and, and do whatever it took. Yeah, for sure. And you, you kind of just mentioned this as well. Um, you know, this is a guy who had a long time in the business, right? We just mentioned it 37 years with Pawtucket, which is pretty much a team that never really changed identities. They've always been the Pawtucket Red Sox, the Paw Sox, right? So you come up to, you know, a couple seasons ago and all of a sudden he shows that he knows how to move with the times, right? This isn't a guy who was just stuck in his ways. You know, he wanted to move with the times and really, really, you know, modernize not only his way of thinking, but himself with baseball. And that's proven by what you guys did with the rebrand, which we already talked about. You go sure. from a longtime team name with the New Orleans Zephyrs to a kind of off the wall, wacky, completely 2019, 2018, 2020 name and the New Orleans yeah. baby cakes. So, um, you know, as you mentioned at the beginning, that, that rebrand happened pretty quickly. Um, and it worked, you know, it, it, as you also mentioned, you know, the, the merchandise sales and the colors and everything else. So, yeah, I mean, we, uh, we, we look at that and we say, wow, you know, this is a guy who knew how to build on his way of thinking and build his business and build the team that he's owning because he's able to move with the modernization of baseball. So maybe speak to that a little bit and, uh, you know, how, how he was able to not just get stuck like a lot of bosses do in one way of thinking and really move with it. Well, it kind of goes back to um, what I was saying earlier about playing off people's strengths. Um, you know, we have, you know, a great team. Um, you know, he is our, he is our leader. We get, mo you know, get motivated by him and we'll continue to be motivated by his dream and his vision. But, you know, the players on the day to day, um, you know, we're strategically picked by him. And, you know, when they're strategically picked, when they're saying, hey, I say we should do X, Y, Z, and he respects them and he knows that they probably know a little bit more, it's a lot easier to get with the times as opposed, as, you know, opposed to picking someone who's just a yes man. Mm -hmm. And I don't think he ever did that. I mean, I don't know how many times just even during the branding process in Wichita that I could just talk to him, you know, point blank and tell him I don't like that opinion. Um, and rather than him take it personal or take it from a standpoint of, well, you know, I'm X, Y, Z, he really took that into consideration when making all decisions. And I think that's what made, you know, you know, made it work. I mean, there's some people who um, didn't make the trip to Wichita, but they were key players in that day to day stuff. And as far as ticket sales and, and entertainment and everything. And we were able to really be a team and, uh, you know, work through this together. Like, yeah, there's certain things that will be standards that no matter what there is, but I think he was always open to it. And he, res and he respected, you know, people's knowledge base on what they were going to do. And, you know, he might tell you from a 30,000 foot view, this is what I'm thinking. But then when you explain to him and you have a thorough, uh, thoroughly thought out process of why you're doing this, this, and this, you know, he was always willing to give it a try. And I think that that's the thing is in this industry, you have to be willing to take some risks. Yes. There's certain things you want to be conservative on, but if you don't take some risks, if you don't make some changes, you're just going to continue to be, you know, the same thing. And unfortunately the way that everything evolves you don't want to be the same thing, you know, 10 years from now. You, you hope that your business model and your 
and those things change. And I think that's what, you know, having our team strategically pick the way it is and having people from totally different backgrounds and different areas um, helped in the process too. And I think that's why it did make, you know, that franchise, we pumped some life into that before we left. Sure. Um, coming up towards uh, my, uh, the present day now, uh, up to the, uh, to the decision to relocate to Wichita, right? Um, yep. Just, uh, you know, the fact in talking to Lou that he told us that the club actually wasn't really actively seeking, um, you know, a home away from New Orleans, but that the city of, of Wichita and everything that they promised and everything that they've given, it was just too good for you guys to turn down. So sure. maybe just a little bit behind the emotions uh, with you and your group and leaving New Orleans where you had so much mm -hmm. committed, uh, but yeah. also into joining the Wichita community and giving affiliated ball back to uh, a, what was a great historic baseball city and will be in the, uh, in the uh, near future uh, in Wichita, Kansas. So maybe just speak a little bit to that. Yeah. Well, um, I remember, you know, I, I think I knew a little bit before, but I remember uh, it was like September and, and Lou was in town and that's when he made the announcement to the staff uh, that we were moving to Wichita. And I think the first question in everyone's mind is Wichita, what's in Wichita? <laughs> um, and, you know, you're looking at it from a, you know, different perspectives. I had already made my mind up that I want to be with this team, this ownership group, uh, with this, with, with basically my baseball family. So if they were going to move to, you know, somewhere in Oregon or somewhere in South Dakota, you know, I would make that move. But I know it was definitely emotional for some people. Um, I think is with anything, especially, you know, stuff like that, where you're, you're talking, you're prepping months in advance, you start hearing rumors, you know, you have someone will call in and go, I heard X, Y, Z. You're like, well, I've never heard that before, but then that gets going. So I think when he sat us down, it was more of a, okay, this is a for sure 100% thing. Um, and, you know, it was definitely, it was definitely a little tough. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I fell in love with New Orleans and I remember going there thinking, man, I don't, I'm not sure if I'm going to really like this place. And, and I love what New Orleans had to offer, but the upside to, coming to Wichita, getting a brand new, you know, state-of-the-art facility um, and helping be part of building this city and being the number one sports entity in the city was just too, it was too exciting not to be a part of. And uh, I think, you know, just being here and, you know, sitting in here, I'm sitting in my office and I'm kind of looking, you know, at the field and getting to be here from the, the minute uh, I think I came here in March of 2019 to all the way till the end. So I saw when it was a pile of dirt to what it was mm -hmm. um, and just to make the connections in the community and the, the support, overall support that we have, it was just, it, it was, it, it's, it's been exciting. And I think that, you know, after really trying to make it work in New Orleans as difficult as it was, you know, it just made, it just made sense, made business sense um, mm -hmm. to move, into you know this market and uh, do what we do because like you said they've been longing for you know affiliated baseball they had the wing nuts for 10 years which was great and Lawrence Dumont which was you know like a stadium that was 85 years old um, and it was great it had its nostalgia but now it's kind of a as we talked with the community like to 
help be the catalyst that can hopefully turn the community of Wichita, make turn the corner to being one of the top, you know, 30 cities in the nation because we were able to get a riverfront development around the baseball field is just so exciting. And I think just telling you all the details of it right now, that's very hard to turn away um, when you're looking at the ladder. Sure. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, everything that we see and everything that we've read and everything that we know, um, it's really going to be, you know, a destination. This isn't going to be just a stadium, right? It's not going to be just another yeah. place to come watch baseball. You know, there's a lot of stadiums in that area that you can just go watch baseball. But I really think, and definitely from the looks of it, that this is going to be something special for you guys. And we're really excited yep. to see it happen. Uh, coming towards the end, uh, talking again with Bob Moulet, the assistant general manager of the Wichita Wind Search. Uh, Bob, at the end of the interview that we conducted with Lou last year, we asked him a lot of the same things that we just asked you. The process of relocation, naming of the franchise, how you make the right hires seeing the park grow from a pile of dirt up to what it is now, uh, you know, stuff like that. Uh, he, he left us, this is one of the last things he said to us. This is what he left us with. I want to read you the quote. Uh, sure. He says, quote, the magic is in the journey. We have a vibrant young staff, great leadership with Jay Miller, Matt White, Annie Life, Cookie Ross, and Jared Forma, 40 families who have now made Wichita home and will be hiring another 400 plus seasonal and stadium staff. So it has been both frenetic and exhilarating. The stadium is a legacy project which has transformed the riverfront, spurred economic development, and truly is a game changer for the city of Wichita, the state of Kansas, and the entire region. That feeling when the players take the field for the first time in front of the home crowd makes every second worthwhile, end quote. Um, so because of recent happenings, very unfortunately, Lou will not be here to experience that firsthand next season when the wind surge take the field for the first time at Riverfront Stadium. Um, but that being said, uh, how does the club plan to honor Lou, uh, both this coming year and beyond, uh, maybe any insight you can give us into those plans? Yeah, I mean, um, I think it's, it's still a little too early for us to, um, have any definitive plans for it. I, I know we will, I will tell you right now that, uh, Lou is the type of guy that, you know, he, he doesn't want anything big. He doesn't want anything monumental. He wants it all to be focused on, you know, the ballpark and everyone else. I, I know we'll do it. I think, you know, one of the biggest things that I can say definitively is that, you know, this staff is, you know, if we were, if we weren't already motivated, which we were highly motivated, we're just going to be that much more motivated to see his vision, you know, and his legacy continue. Um, you know, he kind of already created a legacy for himself. Um, you know, through Pawtucket, and then, then he took on some of the ownership and stuff right here. Um, I think what will be exciting about it is to be able to be a part of that legacy and uh, fulfill his vision of what he wants, you know. And I think, you know, that's the one thing I can tell you that is going to happen. We're going to work tirelessly to make sure that his vision comes through. And when I say vision, it's, it's not sellout crowd every day we yes we definitely want to sell out crowd every day but his vision is giving back to the community his vision is having free clinics at the ballpark his vision is using the ballpark for 200 um unique events and you know he told me something you know and he said this you know a lot 
and it has really stuck with me because I always felt like that is the type of person that I've always wanted to be, both especially and personally. You know, he said, you know, we're always going to give more than we take. Mm. And it's okay because in the end, by giving more than what we take, we know that people always want to support us. They'll always want to be here at the ballpark. And they know in times of need, um, you know, we're going to be here. And just kind of a, kind of a side note on that, uh, you know, we did probably a few months ago when the, when, you know, the whole COVID thing started to kind of come down to where it was, we did a special t-shirt when it was called no place like home. Mm-hmm. And that shirt was actually supposed to be sold for, um, it was supposed to be sold for uh, opening day. We, it was a special shirt and it was going to have, you know, us and the Redbirds on it. And it was going to be for the first four games of the season. Unfortunately, that wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but just with uh, speaking with Annie, we wanted to do something with the community um, and, and kind of help out in the situation. And, you know, with anything, when you, you know, sell t-shirts or anything like that, there's always usually a hard cost to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sold the t-shirt for $24 and Lou refused to keep any of that to cover cost. So, you know, all $24 of the t-shirt went to uh, the Wichita Community Fund, which was uh, emergency COVID relief fund. We raised $30,000 for the community um, during that time of need. And, you know, take into consideration, there was a cost per t-shirt to us, but not only cost of t-shirt, sending out the 700 plus orders and in shipping as well, which, you know, for some, you know, that, 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 t- that adds on to be a lot, but, you know, he said like that, t- that's our commitment. We are, we are giving back anything that we earn at this moment. And, you know, to be able to, before we even throw a pitch, cut a check for $30,000 and worry about the back end expenses later, because we could, um, as far as those being covered, uh, that is just like a testament to what, you know, his, his vision is. And I think that that's what we want to make sure that we always, um, you know, we always look at whenever we're trying to do anything, you know, in the community. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the fact that you guys were, have been able to do so much, and like you said, before even a player has arrived or a pitch is being thrown, and you guys are already right there as members of your new community, just like you've been there forever. Um, that That's really what, speaks to the family side of minor league baseball that sometimes you don't find yep. with some major league teams. You know what I mean? So yeah, definitely yeah. important uh, as, as much as you want to see success on the field, what you really, really want to see in any sport and in any, in any, uh, uh, you know, position of stewardship is you want to see that you're able to connect with the people that are supporting you. So definitely important and sure. definitely huge. Uh, so yeah, undoubtedly, Bob, uh, our thoughts, our feelings, everything remains with you guys, the entire team, uh, through the continued process that you guys are going through right now uh, with Lou and everything else. So uh, I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts on it. I, I do have one more question for you. Um, yep. And that's basically just through everything, um, you know, the canceled season, COVID, everything else. How, how, how is the operation holding up? And obviously, it's very disappointing to hear about a canceled MILB season. We were hit hard by that as well. Always. Yeah not what you want to see, but uh, in light of that, you know, how much bigger will the wind surge do it come April, 2021? Uh, Any insights? Yeah. yeah, Where's it headed? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, 2021, it just means it's got to be that much bigger. Um, and, and there's a lot of other reasons why it's got to be, you know, that much bigger now. And, you know, just like with everyone, right, you know, this, is, this has been a very tough, unprecedented time. Um, we've had to pivot multiple times. Our situation is a little bit different than maybe some others because of, you know, how our lease agreement, everything works like that. But, um, you know, look, people are holding up. And like I was saying before, you know, Lou wouldn't want us to sit around and, and, and putter around. He'd want us to, uh, as he would always say and leave in an email, he would want us to move, rise up and move onward. And that's what we are going to continue to do. We are going to figure out our ways that we can, you know, get, you know, into this ballpark and do the things that we can do. And, um, you know, we are going to build up for a great 20, you know, 2021 season. And, you know, he's, he won't be there for the first pitch physically, but he'll be there. And, um, you know, everything is, you know, we, we kind of just look at it as like everything is going to, is going to move forward. And he's always going to be at the forefront of our minds when we walk through this ballpark. And I think the same thing with the community. Um, and, we just, we, we have to be, we have to use as much optimism, you know, when we do our things from the day to day that he did his entire life. And he is absolutely one of the most optimistic people um, that I have ever met. And I think that, you know, if we don't carry that same optimism, you know, it, it we just have to, and we're, and we're going to, and I think we'll get there. We're going to pivot just like anyone else. And we've continued to pivot just probably, I'm sure like you've had to pivot, yep. um, you know, in, in every, in your day-to-day -day life. And he's just going to say, let's keep moving forward and always be the hardest working person in the room. And if I think that if we do that, then we are going to fulfill, you know, all the expectations that have been set and we're going to blow those away in 2021. Yeah. Rise up and move onward. Some great words of wisdom there. Uh, especially for these uh, tough times, as Bob mentioned, from the late Lou Schweikheimer. Uh, again, Bob, we, we want to thank you so much for joining us today on the pod. Um, again, my idea in inviting you on was not only to give uh, our listeners an idea of how much the baseball world and really, as you mentioned, the world outside of baseball, especially now in Wichita and in New Orleans and elsewhere, uh, uh, will be losing and has lost in Lou, uh, but also to assist you in what we know has been a very difficult process for your entire sure. team. So again, we share in your grief, we're with you. And through it, we know you and your team will be that much stronger. So thank you again so much for being here and let's go win, Serge. Yeah, thank you so much for having me guys. And if you ever need anything, you, you know where we are. All right, guys, that's Bob Moulet, Assistant General Manager of the Wichita Wind Surge, speaking uh, to the special life of Lou Schweikheimer, who has unfortunately recently uh, left us. Uh, but we want to thank uh, Bob again so much for coming on the show, uh, provided some great insight, uh, not only into Lou, but into the day-to-day uh, -day happenings right now with the Wichita Wind Surge. And we can't wait to see them take the field next April. Again, guys, thank you so much for listening in. We appreciate it. We appreciate the time. And we'll see you guys next time.